Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was in London for work and I went into a church and I was just like surrendering. And I did not say, uh, you know, please, I I hope he he wants to be with me. You know, I just was like, please, just I want to be okay. I don't even have to be happy. Just like, please, please, please let me get through this. Let me be okay. And I did. I just surrendered because I could not control what was going on. Like no matter how much I wanted to, I could not control it. And I just said, whatever it is, who's ever out there, who's ever listening, is it my grandpa? Is it this? Is it that? Like, I just want to be okay. And I was, and I was happy again. And I was, you know, you know, not just okay. I, I was better. And I, and I just feel like putting that trust just kind of out there, it, it comes back to you. I believe, I truly do believe in a positive life. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I am so excited to share my conversation with my good friend, Cassandra DeSico. She is a new author and a true inspiration that a broken heart can be a catalyst to become the person that you were meant to be. So at 26, Cassandra thought she had everything figured out. She had the guy, she'd just gotten married, a job she loved, a house, and all of a sudden, it just kind of all came crashing down and her fairy tale ended up being somewhat of a nightmare and she ended up spiraling down into a deep emotional hole. So we chat about how with time, self-work, and looking inward, she was able to take her healing into her own hands, regain her self-worth, and become the person she was meant to be. This conversation is so inspiring, no matter what position you are in now, because we go all over the place with this one. Obviously, we talk about her path to healing a broken heart. We talk about finding your authentic self and identity, which is so, so important, and especially if you feel like it's been so intertwined with other people in your life. Why boundaries don't have to be scary and why they're so necessary. How to speak more kindly to yourself and why it matters. And the power of trusting the journey and looking for the positive in all situations. So I'm so, so excited to share this one. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Cassandra. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. Cassandra is a good friend. We used to work together and I am so excited that she has written her own book, which is just like my number one dream. (laughs) So I can't wait to hear more about that, but I would love for you to just kind of start off by introducing yourself and kind of what the journey was to bring you to write your book. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here too. I mean, excuse to talk to you, you know, I'm happy about. So thank you so much. And yeah, so I wrote my first book. It's called It's Temporary Babe. I have a few here. I'm sure I'll show you guys later. But um, yeah, my journey started, I would say, in 2020 when it was during COVID. And I'm a big, big journaler. You know, we've spoke about that a lot. And 
then I was reflecting on some of my old journals from like 2016, 17, 18. And I noticed how I was no longer in that place that I was in the three years ago. And sometimes when you're in it, you don't realize how far you've come. So I was reflecting and I was like, hey, like there's a story here. And this is what I would tell that person. And, you know, the the place that I was in. And I wish I knew this back then. And I just started writing. I started pulling from the journal entries and adding what I had learned since then. And it's definitely like a self-help vibe, but with real tools that I learned along the way. And yeah, I felt like when I was going through a hard time, a lot of the self-help books that I, I bought every single one I could find. <laughs> and I just felt like a lot of them were like, you have to love yourself and you have to do this and you have to do that. And I was like, there is no way this person knows how I feel. Like No one knows how I feel. So I was like, in my book, I'm going to write the real stuff. I'm going to write the raw ups and downs and the roller coaster and you know just kind of the whole process of towards being healed and I'm, I'm still on it it's not like a finish line which I also feel you know people think so yeah that's kind of where it started where it came from yeah I love that it makes me wish that I my handwriting was like legible in my <laughs> like I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that <laughs> But I would love if you're comfortable with sharing kind of yeah. that, what it was that you had to overcome, why you were in that place that you needed to heal from. And so people can relate to it because I do agree. I think a lot of times when we read these self-help books, it just feels like, oh, well, that's easy to say. You don't really exactly. know what I'm dealing with. Exactly. A hundred percent. And yeah, so I was 16 when I met my first boyfriend and I thought I was in love and I was, you know, on the top of the world. And I really was, honestly, looking back at that girl, I was like, she really was. And we were together for 11 years. So huge growing part of any person's, you know, age, 16 to 27 is, you know, huge. You're kind of learning yourself and whatnot. Um but yeah, we were together and we got engaged and we bought our house and we got married. And then a month later, it just completely fell apart. It was literally 30 days after the wedding that, you know, he just told me, I don't love you. I don't want to be with you. And I just really did not see it coming one bit. And I was devastated my whole life that I knew was just over and crumbling down on me. And you know, I grew up very, um, I was a people pleaser. And I know we've talked about that too. And it was just really hard for me to kind of not blame myself and also try to fix it. I wanted to fix it. I wanted to fix it. And I couldn't, no matter, you know, how much I tried. And then there I was 27. I did find out there was betrayal kind of linked in there, which is, you know, definitely an ego bruiser when it comes down to that. And like I said, it was just very, what did I do? Why did, why, why couldn't I have, you know, done better? And it was very like kind of turning on to myself. And there I was 27 for the first time in my life, moved into a small apartment and I just had to pick up the pieces and it was definitely, definitely a roller coaster. And through time and through the book, you'll see, um, I figured it out. I figured out what works for me. I figured out the best kind of course of action 
because it's not the same for everyone as far as therapy and journaling and things like that. And eventually I was able to pull myself out of it and realize there is nothing I could have done. There wasn't anything I could do to fix it and just kind of leaned into that and, you know, found my face and, and all that stuff that we, we can definitely talk about too, but yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And I, I mean, I'm, thank you for sharing that. And I can't even of imagine course. how hard that would be to go through. Cause you're on the high of like all, you know, like my wedding was last year. It's like, Mm-hmm. so many emotions and it feels like everything's coming together and it's just like I it's I can't even imagine yeah and I'm so just to know who you are now like <laughs> it's just, I can't even imagine this like other version of you that kind of wasn't so like authentic and in her skin and all of that mm-hmm. so a testament to like how far you can come and and I guess this might be skipping ahead a little bit but do you kind of feel like you're almost grateful for the experience because like would mm-hmm. you ever had that like impetus to and how how can you predict the future but like it really made you kind of look into yourself and become this version of you that maybe you weren't on track of to being yeah no definitely 100% and I always say that I like again I found my spirituality and my faith and all that but I truly believe that you know any rejection or anything that doesn't go your way it really is making room for something better And it took a while to realize that and lean into it. But yeah, like I said, I was 16 and I, you know, met someone and I just, we, we grew up together. And I wrote about this in the book that even like when I started dating, it was like, oh, what do you like to do? And I'm like, well, we used to like to do this, but you know, so I had to really be alone and find myself and be a version of myself that I liked. And yeah, I can't see myself being this person if that didn't happen to me. I really can't. Yeah, totally. And just to give people a concept of like kind of a timeline, because I think mm-hmm. everyone's always like in a rush to be like, okay, I'm ready to get over it. The healing part should be gone, like have started. Kind of how long did it take you to even start like quote unquote healing versus like the wallowing kind of stage yes. obviously part of the process no it's so true and yeah I feel like my process was and still is kind of long but again it's like you said like kind of having that pressure that like oh you should be over it already or oh you should you know be doing this be doing that and it's really just what works for you I feel like when everything happened it was 2017 and I have a twin sister who I write a lot about And she was getting married that year. So she was getting married right after me. So it was like a six month span. So I just totally kind of blocked it out, which I think people can relate to, too. I just and even like you said, with like knowing that person to this person, like I compartmentalized a lot because I had to It was like survival mode. You know what I mean? So I just remember I moved into my apartment and then like the next week was my sister's bridal shower and then her wedding. And I was like, I don't want like my stuff to overshadow her stuff. You know, it just, I just went into, I'm fine. I miss it is what it is. It happened for a reason. So that kind of went on for like a good six months of me just not facing any of it. And then, you know, they say it's like grief. There's like five stages and it was just, kind of going through it and I do think it took like a, probably like two three years for me to finally like accept everything and be at this place I am now that it's like I'm grateful that happened 
look at the friend group I have, look at the independence I have, look at, you know, this that I like about myself. And yeah, so I guess to answer the question, like maybe like three years, but it's different for everyone. It really is. And I think it's helpful too, for people to know that there's not like, it's not crazy that it takes time. And it's, it's not mm-hmm. like it took three years to like start taking care of yourself. Exactly. It's like you've made so much progress in that amount of time, but especially yeah. like you said, when there's things going on in our lives, like, unfortunately it's hard sometimes when you want to just fall apart, but depending on what's happening around you, exactly. it feels like maybe you can't. So I can't even yeah. how hard that must have been. And what was kind of the dynamic like with the people in your life? Was there just this expectation that you had to kind of like be okay for everybody else? Or like, what did that feel like? Yeah, I know. It was weird. It was like, I feel like I said I did for whatever reason, you know, you figure it out. But I, I have always been kind of this people pleaser role. So I think maybe they were expecting me to fall apart. So that's why I didn't. You know, like even I had my mom tell me like two weeks ago after she read the book, like, I really like had no idea, like that's how much you were struggling. And it just shows like my mom, I even just kind of put on like this armor. And I wrote about that in the book too. And like, I felt like there was two, two parts of me, like the part that was like at the family parties and doing this and doing that. And then when I would go home, I would just, you know, break. And that was all before therapy and stuff. So then therapy kind of creeped in and and helped me with that. But uh, yeah, it's like, it's, listen, I feel like there's when something bad happens to someone or something, you know, like this happens, some people don't know how to act. They really don't. They don't want to bring it up. They do want to bring it up. You know, so you do see kind of people and maybe their true colors. And I lost a lot of people. I did. I lost almost all my old friends that were our friends. And you know what I mean? I lost a family that was my family for 11 years. So it was kind of adapting and adjusting. But like I said, it was finding these new normals and these new people who I was forming these relationships with who they didn't really know the old me like you and I, you know, so it was almost like, it, it was like a, just such a growing experience for, for me, a hundred percent. Totally. And you mentioned therapy a few times. So I would love yeah. for you to kind of like go into how that has kind of supported you, where that kind of came in, in your journey. If it was one of the first things, one of the later things mm-hmm. and kind of how. Yeah. Therapy is tricky, man. I mean, I feel like I talked to so many people about it. A lot of people still feel very taboo about it which I mean, I scream it to everyone I meet just because that's how much it helps me. (laughs) But um, it took a while. I tried regular talk therapy. I remember we were working in the city and I found someone in the city and I would go after work and we just didn't really click. And I went through like three therapists that were good, but we just didn't click. That's one thing I always tell everyone, like, don't get discouraged. Like try talking to people if you don't click, that's okay. It's just like you meeting a friend and, you know, you having things in interest. So it took me a little bit, but it was around 2019, I would say, that I found my therapist that I have now. And we clicked. She got me. I continued it through COVID. We did, you know, virtual and whatnot. And it's just really good to have an outlet for someone that 
doesn't really know you and who's not just going to tell you what you want to hear and who, you know, is kind of just can give a professional opinion or even just listen, especially me living alone, you know, during the pandemic, 30 years old, just to kind of have an outlet to talk and give advice when you want it. And I just, I just think it's really, really important. My favorite therapy days and when I'm like, oh, I'm going to cancel, like I have nothing to talk about. And those are the ones when all of a sudden, you know, things come up that are just, it's just super helpful. And then my own therapy, I'm very invested in also, like I journal, like I said, pretty much every day, practice gratitude, manifesting, all that stuff. And it just helps me. It just helps to get all of the craziness going on in your brain down on paper and Look, I reflected three years later and wrote a book about it. So I'll continue doing that. Definitely. Absolutely. I love that. I same thing. Therapy. I just started in the last like year. And yeah, I feel like oh, I'm I love that. that girl that's like my therapist. <laughs> I know I'm one of those. <laughs> and it's, it's, always, it's like different what works for different people. Like we've also spoken about that with like working out like my cousin, like her therapy is going out for a run. And if I had to go out for a run, I would want to jump out the window. So it's also just kind of being kind to yourself and finding what works for you, what brings you joy. I think you said you don't love journaling, right? We spoke about that. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. It's probably my therapist who doesn't like it. I feel like you and my therapist are one of the same. (laughs) But, you know, journaling may not work for you, but maybe meditating does or maybe mantras do. So just really finding out just what, what, what works for you. I totally agree. And I would love for you to kind of walk us through that experience for you, because I Mm -hmm. think some people are like, well, everybody says go to therapy or everyone says meditate or or, and then they try that one thing and they're like, it didn't work for me. This whole thing is going to work for me. Like how was your experimentation process? And then sort of how do you know that it's good for you? I guess Mm -hmm. I feel like don't even know how to tell if something for them. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. Um, yeah, so I guess in 2018, so picture, it's like a year of myself living on my own after the whole wedding stuff, after all all of that. And everyone's like, all right, you need a hobby. You need something to do that you never did before and blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay. So I joined Orange Theory. And I'm like, everyone loves it. You're going to be in good shape. You're going to meet people. Fine. Put yourself out there. And I had a good friend who she came with me and she was obsessed with it. Like the lights, the music, like she just literally like killed it every class. And I wrote about this. I would be on the bus on my way home and I would sit there and pray for traffic that I would miss the class because that's how much just I physically loathed going there. I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like someone screaming in my face. I didn't like feeling like I was, you know, being compared to the person next to me, it just did not make my soul happy at all. And then there's my best friend next to me and it gave her life and it, you know, it, she, she loved it and she thrived. And yeah. So then I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like the fact that I really don't want to do this, something's up. So I started doing yoga and I started doing it at home in my living room with, you know, no one looking at me. And I found this channel on YouTube. And I realized, okay, I really like yoga, but I don't know what the hell 
sorry, I don't know if I can curse. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. And, <laughs> yes, come on. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, what is an asana? What is this? So I ended up joining a yoga school just to kind of learn about that and learn. So it's like just really listening to your body and going with that. If you're feeling like that, oh, I don't like this workout, don't do it. Or, oh, like, I don't want to sit here and think of what I'm grateful for. It's not bringing me joy. Do something else. So, you know, I feel like you talk about this a lot with food and everything, too. Like, your body speaks to you. It really, really does. So, like, paying attention to, you know what, when I went for a walk in the park, I, I felt at peace. Or when I was at the beach, the waves were giving me anxiety. So just paying attention to those things and making your own therapy, just you know, what were you wearing? Who are you with? What were you doing? And just like what it physically makes you feel like. Totally agree. And I think even like that last little bit that you were saying is sort of like tapping into almost like your everyday life. Because yeah. sometimes we feel like, oh, it's like a whole extra thing that I have to do, like figure out what makes me feel good. Yeah. But if it's like, is there little bits in your day that already exist? And if you can just be a little bit more in tune with what's happening with you, you'll realize what those moments are. Like, maybe you really like cooking dinner. I don't, <laughs> but right. people might be like, wait, I actually really do enjoy this experience. And, and you can kind of like build on, on those kinds of things too. Exactly. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I don't have time for an hour of therapy, you know, which it's fine if people don't. But like another example, I was at the spa and it had like the singing bowl music going. And just as I was waiting, it was five minutes in the waiting room. And I was so calm. I was so happy. And now every day when I wake up, that's what I play. So I'm brushing my teeth. I'm making my tea. I'm doing my morning routine with the singing bowl music in the background. And it, it does. It like just makes me calm and happy. Now I've created this bubble that I'm like, if anyone comes in now, <laughs> but no, it's true. It's just like you said, just incorporating those things into your daily life. And then it will be, oh yeah, no, I can't do this because I need to do this for an hour or whatnot. Absolutely. And I kind of love that you did mention that because I think <laughs> it is kind of like once we then start really looking at ourselves and kind of what works for us, and we have like this whole life that's like mm -hmm. geared to us it's probably really hard then to think like, how is another person going to fit into this? So what is kind of your like criteria screening <laughs> for like, what is the kind of relationship that you want to have in your life? And what's something you definitely don't? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And it's funny because I do still feel so many people are just waiting for me to be like, I finally found him and now I'm happy. And it's just like, not the finish line for me, especially because I was just, you know, I was 24 and making dinner every night and, you know, working overtime so we could pay for our house. Like I kind of like did all that, you know? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to relationships or even just guys in general, I want you to have exactly what I have. So I just feel like, and, and again, it could be a guy, it could be friends, it could be anything, but just to kind of have the same values, you're self-aware, you work on yourself, you know, you have no problem with boundaries because I have more boundaries than you can picture now because <laughs> I used to have none. But I just really look for someone who is just an open communicator and who is accepting of me and where I am at because it is people I feel like selfish has such a 
a bad kind of vibe around it. And I don't think that, like, I think I admire people who are like, no, like, you know what? I was supposed to do this, but I really need the day to myself. So I'm, you know, going to do this. You, you know what I mean? Like, I admire that in another person. And I feel like you just have to value yourself if you're ever going to be able to value anyone else. So that's just, I feel really what I look for. And as far as like non-negotiables, it's just, again, just lining up with values. Like my values are drilled into me, especially now. And there are things like disrespect or lying, or I know it's like basic things, but listen, I feel like every time someone goes through a breakup, it's not always, and then this happened and then this was it. It's always little things maybe here and there that you like, you know, ignoring red flags. I write a lot about that. Um, So I just don't ignore red flags at all anymore. And some people may say that I'm too picky or I'm too crazy, but I'm not. I just feel like those little kind of things that happen in the beginning that people think are going to change, it usually becomes a bigger thing at the end. So why waste their time and yours? That's how I feel. I just feel like as much as like, it may be like, you're not for me. It just means I'm not for you either. Like it's not a negative thing. Just if two people kind of don't align with those values. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like with the red flags, when we are ignoring them, uh, at least I remember from when I was dating, it was kind of like, you're just, it's coming from a place of you just wanting something to work out so bad instead of just being okay with it might not work out it, they mm-hmm. might not be a person and you just might be back out there again, meeting the next person. It's almost kind of like being in a rush to find yes. the right person instead of really actually caring that they are the right person. A hundred percent. And that's what I always say. Every date I go on, every guy I meet, I'm like, okay, like, what did I like about this person? What are qualities that maybe I didn't know that I liked? kind of add to my little list that I have and like oh that kind of made me feel a little weird I'm gonna pay attention to this like it's not I feel like people put so much pressure on dating and they make up a whole story and a life in their head with a person before a first date even comes Mm -hmm. and you know I am very very much more like surrender (laughs) to see how everything goes and yeah I I know when I click with people and when I don't pretty, pretty right off the bat. So, yeah. And I think another huge part of that too, is we were kind of talking about the guy side of the spectrum, but then it's also like, sometimes it's easier for us to be the best version of them ourselves when it's like Mm -hmm. us in the life we've created, we've kind of like navigated everything. And now there's like new variable. Is it hard to maintain like all of the work that you've done sometimes? Like, is it kind of an effort or Mm -hmm. now? of like seamless even in these new dynamics yeah now every year it gets like I feel better as far as I just am comfortable with who my authentic self is and I wasn't always there honestly I would second guess myself all the time and sometimes I still do but I have it may just come with age also I have come to the point where I am very like this is me like if you don't like it that's fine but like I'm going to show you who I am right off the bat because I'm not looking to fake it down the line kind of thing. You know, like no people talk like online dating and stuff. I'm putting my worst picture up there. Like I'd rather you be surprised when you see me than the opposite. Like this is me. This is who I am. I go to sleep at eight 30 that, you know, and yeah. 
I think I it's important. It. And I think it takes a while. It took me a long time to kind of know who my authentic self was and to be okay with it. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. Like, you know, or like, yeah, like, you know, it's the game in the beginning, especially with dating, or I'm not going to do this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to act like this, or if he likes hiking, I'm going to pretend I like to hike. And I'm Like, no, I would faint on the mountain, and then that would be it. <laughs> yes, it's so true. And I think even when you keep kind of saying like authentic self, I'm sure there's probably some people that are like, I mean, how do you even know, like mm-hmm. what your authentic self is? Like, do you yeah. have kind of like tips or stories sort of of how you really kind of come to to find that for yourself definitely so I feel like it's definitely one of my journal prompts that I have in the book and I just write about paying attention which we did kind of you know talk about but how you feel your best and when you feel your worst and write it down for me it was writing it down and journaling it out but maybe leave yourself a voice note and say like hey I just you know had lunch with my mom and we had coffee and I felt, I feel amazing. Or I was at a bar with a guy, I was drunk and, you know, like I woke up kind of with regret, like, you know, like trying to just really pay attention to when you feel your absolute best and just leaning into that more. And I also write a lot about this too. Like our bodies really do speak to us. When you're kind of moving away from your authentic self, your body will tell you, you will feel whether it's anxiety or feeling uneasy, like, you know, your body does. I use the example with you ever get a text message and the name pops up and you don't even know what the text says, but you either have like a knot in your stomach or you may find yourself smiling. Pay attention to those things. Pay attention to when you, you know, whether you're going to the beach with your, I keep using the beach. I like the beach, but you know, your friends ask you to go to the beach and you're like, Oh, like, I don't like the sand. I don't like it. Like, you know, then don't go. It's okay. You can still have your friends, you know? So I think that's my main thing and how I've gotten closer to my authentic self. It's just paying attention really to how I feel and trusting that don't second guess it. Your intuition is like a real thing. And I think it's really important to kind of build that relationship with yourself. Totally. And I think that's such a good point in terms of like not second guessing ourselves. I think we're just so ingrained in us to just yes. out the way that we like naturally mm-hmm. and kind of force things upon ourselves because other people think it's what we should like or our friends are thinking that or whatever it may be. Exactly. Definitely. And you mentioned that you kind of like found a new group of friends throughout this Mm -hmm. process. I think that's probably another thing people worry about a lot. Like making friends as an adult feels really hard. It is. (laughs) You kind of talk a little bit about what that process is like. Yeah, no, it definitely was hard. Like I said, and then I was surrounded with, you know, my family and who they were all having babies and buying houses. And I felt like I was kind of going backwards and, as much as I love being around them, and I still do, I was like, I have to surround myself with people who are on the same page with me, not where I'm kind of feeling bad for myself or feeling like I'm behind or, you know, I'm sure so many people struggle with that. Makes me so mad. I know you talk about it even with body image. Like it's just the whole, what society does to people. It's so sad, but That being said, yeah, I reconnected with an old friend who we were friends, you know, we were younger and 
it just happened. She was single. I was single. We both were going through a breakup. Her friends were all kind of in the same boat. And I just built all these amazing relationships. And now those are people who are my best friends now. And even though some of them have moved on and now are in relationships too, it's just, it's really, I feel it goes back to just surrounding yourself with people who, who bring out the best in you and who, you know, it, it is hard. It's hard being single this at this age when your friends are moving on, but it doesn't mean that you can't make new friends and still have those friends. Absolutely. And do you feel like these new friends are kind of into the like personal development and growth kind mm-hmm. of stuff that you are? Definitely. Yeah, they're definitely, you know, super self-aware. They're all in journaling and, you know, so it does. You kind of attract what you're into in the moment. I also believe that. And I also, now that we're talking about it, I wonder if maybe they did meet me while I was figuring out who my authentic self was. So it was like right off the bat, it was like, oh, she's not going to do this, you know, on a Tuesday night or she, you know, like, and it was kind of, just showing up as my who I really am and people accepting it right off the bat opposed to like we talked about changing yourself and then things fizzling out or or getting weird if that makes sense yeah yeah totally so that kind of brings me to like you had mentioned boundaries because when people meet you like in some sense meeting new people is easier because they only know this version of you and it's not like the you've changed or you know the fact that you kind of have to like reestablish boundaries or teach people a new way to treat you. It's hard, especially with family. And I know you have a big family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do. What has, was that process like? Yeah. With new boundaries and all that. Yeah. It's interesting. And I, I do always say that, but you'll be surprised. I do feel like boundaries do. It mixes in with the selfish conversation we had before. Um, people kind of have a negative spin on it, but I truly feel like the right people will respect it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So listen, if some people don't, and it happens to be a family member or someone that you can't just throw your hands up, at least you're aware of it, if that makes sense. Like awareness, I feel is so huge. And just by you exuding that energy, they will accept it. And they will kind of come around to any boundaries that you have. Uh, I always say like, there's, you know, two people in a dynamic. So instead of saying she doesn't respect my boundaries, or she doesn't do this, or she makes me feel like this, what can you do to change the dynamic? Because it can't go on without you. So by you kind of removing yourself and adjusting, it will change no matter what. It, It will. Totally agree. And I think probably when it comes to those boundaries, were a lot of them kind of unspoken and just you showing up differently and then people kind of adjusting the way they reacted versus being like, I'd really prefer if you don't say X, Y, Z when I'm around, like kind of, right. I think sometimes it's hard for people to be like, do I have to like explicitly, right. 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 Or am I just kind of showing up differently and like exuding that I have this boundary and people are kind of picking up on that energy. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I do feel like that's what it is. It's just kind of changing you and exuding that energy. And listen, if there are times where you have to have the conversation, because I've been there, I know I wrote about that too. It was with my, you know, ex mother-in-law, my ex sister-in-law, we were very close for so long. And that was like a hard kind of dynamic to change, but we were able to do it. And it wasn't so much as, 
I'm setting the boundary that you can't do this. It wasn't that. It was more like, you know what? I'd rather not talk about X, Y, and Z, but would love to have coffee somewhere here. Like, you know, or even if it was something like, I don't feel comfortable coming to someone's house, but, you know, like, so I feel like it's more, it's not so I'm setting the boundary for this because people get scared of that, I feel sometimes. It's just more voicing what you want where you kind of draw the line and what's the other person really going to say, you know, if you're setting the tone that that just is what it is. I feel, I know it's not always that easy. I know there's like so many co-parenting and things like that, where it, it is super hard. And I feel like I acknowledge that, that I've never had to deal with that, but I feel like just kind of starting there, taking a breath, sticking to what you know is right for you. It, it, it will eventually become the new normal. Yeah. And I think it's kind of because of my next question, Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about spirituality and kind of Mm -hmm. what you found there, but kind of my feeling on that is it's that whole idea of like everything around us is teaching us or is a mirror for us. So like once you kind of work through your issues when it comes to a specific thing, those things just kind of naturally stop showing up Mm -hmm. in your life. It's like the lesson's been like integrated and learned. So I think that's kind of also part of that like boundaries thing. Definitely. A hundred percent. And yeah, I love what you said about it's a mirror because I'll notice if I get a text message or if I know a conversation is happening that I feel triggered or I feel something happening, I journal about it. And I think what's coming up for me? Why am I feeling like this? What's the worst that can happen? Has this ever happened before? How can I avoid it from happening? So it's like, I just talk myself through it. And that took so long. I mean, I used to you know, be my worst enemy and beat myself up about it and changing that dynamic. And I swear, like, I, you know, we talked about like, if you knew me back then, I was the yes girl. I was no problem, whatever you need, no matter how uncomfortable it made me, I did it. So me changing that, I can say I haven't lost to like important people, if that, if that makes sense through that journey. So I feel like can't hurt to just try put yourself first (laughs) yeah and like you said with the whole like beating yourself up dynamic Mm -hmm. I think that's something that everyone is very familiar with and then I do want to get back to the spirituality thing but I couldn't yeah sorry (laughs) to this because I think this is such a big thing for most people definitely women Mm -hmm. (laughs) is just like beating ourselves up it's like kind of what would you say has been the biggest support in terms of like not going down that path when things happen I feel like because I really was, I would talk so nasty to myself all the time. And you don't realize they say your thoughts are what you know, but it really does it impacts you. And I think it really started, I started doing some inner child work. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but I can tell you some um, meditations I've done that kind of have geared towards that, that if you want to share with everyone. Um, but I did, I started doing inner child work and just picturing like me as a child and thinking like, would you be saying this stuff to her? Would you be saying this stuff to your worst enemy? Which I still wouldn't, you know what I mean? So really just being aware of like my thoughts and the things that were being said, like, you know, they say, if you say something, what is it? Is it kind? Is it true? And is it necessary? They say like, when you, when you, when you're about to say something, but it's true. It's like, just I wouldn't speak to my worst enemy the way that I was speaking to myself and it's like why would you do it to yourself 
or I would find myself with my friends calling me or my sister and, you know, me amping them up and you're allowed to have bad days and you're allowed to do this and give yourself a break. And I'm like, why am I not doing that to myself? You know, so really just prioritizing yourself and talking to yourself like you are your favorite person in the whole world. Think of who your favorite person is and talk to yourself like that. And that was talk about a practice. Like it took a while, like even sometimes I still catch myself in that. And I'll be like, never mind. I'm just kidding. Take it back. Like, you know, like you have those conversations with yourself, but it's, it's really important. Yeah. And I think the awareness probably, because again, it's such a, it's yeah. a well-traveled, well-traveled mm-hmm. neural pathway that our brain like mm-hmm. must take us down when we beat ourselves up, that it's definitely hard to change it. But I think even just catching it and being catching like, hey, what would I rather be saying to myself right now? And just starting to do that as much as we can because mm-hmm. it's the word we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anybody else so <laughs> it is I saw on um I think it was on Instagram somewhere where someone said they put a picture of themselves when they were younger like on their bathroom mirror or something like that and I didn't do it because I am a little OCD but I probably should <laughs> but just kind of that little reminder even if it's a picture of just you know like something like that or yeah you just reminded me to do that. <laughs> I love that. So I would love to get into spirituality a little bit. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what, what that has meant for you and how that's been helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I grew up like, you know, Italian American and Catholic and we went to church on holidays and everything. So I, I definitely have my beliefs and all of that. But I really did find when it comes to just faith in general and spirituality, that just trusting the path that I'm on and really like leaning into that and not questioning it has just helped so much. And again, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. But it's also, it's kind of reflecting, like, has anything really happened that I haven't been able to get through? You know, so like remembering that, like on your worst day, you know, bad things happen, but you were okay. So like just kind of just believing like that there is, and it is whatever you believe, I feel, you know, just that there is a plan for everyone. And that just, I just really feel like, just like, I always just say like, you're going to be okay. You're guided, you're supported. And taking the bad things that happen, like we spoke about as a lesson and just as a part of your journey. And again, I know I talk a lot about journaling, but it just helps me so much. Like if I had a bad day, you know, and even just now a bad day could be, you know, I missed the bus or the rain or, you know, anything like that. But at the end of the day, journaling and like thinking about, okay, but these good things happened or these, you know, just kind of it's hard. It's hard to explain spirituality, I feel. But for me, it's just like trusting. I know I wrote about it, you know, when everything started happening, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was in London for work, and I went into a church, and I was just like surrendering. And I did not say, uh, you know, please, I I hope he, he wants to be with me. You know, I just was like, please, just I want to be okay. I don't even have to be happy. Just like, please, please, please let me get through this. Let me be okay. And I did. I just surrendered because I could not control what was going on. 
like no matter how much I wanted to, I could not control it. And I just said, whatever it is, who's ever out there, who's ever listening, is it my grandpa? Is it this? Is that like, I just want to be okay. And I was, and I was happy again. And I was, you know, you know, not just okay. I, I was better. And I, and I just feel like putting that trust just kind of out there, it, it comes back to you. I believe, I truly do believe in a positive way. I love that. You know? I, yeah. There was, um, I can't remember where I heard it, but basically someone was saying that picture that your best friend or the person you love the most is in a maze and mm-hmm. you have to guide them in the right way, but you can't talk to them. Like what's the easiest way to do that is to block them from the roads they're not supposed to go down. Yes, I like, love that. Things that don't work out is just the universe's way of being like, that wasn't it. Yes, <laughs> that no, one. I love that. So just I always, of it that yeah, way. no, always. And that's what I always say. And I do, I think of like, say negative things that have happened and, you know, like even like things you can't control or like you really in the time you can't find like a happy, you know, and people die and people this, but it's really, you know, I honed in on that. I lost my grandma and my dog like a week apart during 2020. And I was just like, now what? You know what I mean? Like this, like I'm, I'm lucky that I'm this age and it was my first real experience with loss, but I've never felt that before. And I was like, okay, well, I was able to be home with my dog for the last four months, you know? So it's like, it sounds like a silly little thing, but just really in those times where you're down and you feel like nothing is going right, actively looking for just, even if it's a little bit of positive to get you through it, because it will, it it definitely will. Totally agree. Totally. Yeah. Well, I would love for you to share what some of the, I know you've mentioned some different like habits mm-hmm. and things like that, that you have found throughout the journey. What are kind of like your non-negotiable habits that you know keep you feeling your best? Definitely my journaling in the morning, my singing bowls now. <laughs> I hope whenever the guy, whenever the guy comes, he better like singing bowl me and said no. <laughs> but definitely I feel my morning routine has been, I mean, it, it just really just sets the tone for my whole day. So if I have to get up at six or I have to get up at 10, I always make sure I give myself 35 minutes in the morning to just journal, meditate a little, get centered, practice gratitude, and just kind of have like a nice like plan for my day. And again, that's what works for me. That's really just what I feel is a non-negotiable. I need my self-care time. Because I just know, sorry, I'm not good to anyone else unless I'm in like a balanced kind of state. So I guess I would say my my morning routine, definitely. And definitely the people you surround yourself with. I, I mean, I can't stress it enough, but there, you know, there have been times in my life whereby I've stayed in things maybe too long or I've felt like I've done things out of obligation and and I look back at that person and I, I just want to hug her and say, you don't have to do that. You know what I mean? So I just really like you're you are in control of your life and who you surround yourself with. And you deserve for to be around people who bring out the best in you. Absolutely. I love yeah. that. And I think I know I so appreciate that you're mentioning, you know, that everybody's different and finding the things yeah. that work for you. But I think the morning thing is just like so big 
for so big. people are so quick to say like, I don't have time, but it's like, mm-hmm. that's what you need it even more. Even if it's just yeah. like minutes to like breathe before, like you are just at the mercy of like everybody else in your life and your day just kind of like taking yeah. over instead of you being intentional about it. It's like mm-hmm. just like, such a world of difference. Yeah. Deepak Chopra says, if you don't have time to meditate for 15 minutes a day, then you have to meditate for 30. And (laughs) that always stuck with me. And it's true. It's just really taking that time for yourself. And again, like having the boundary if you can't. So for example, my corporate nine to five, like, does it constantly bring me joy and only bring out the best in me? No. But I've become where I'm at a place myself where I have boundaries with it and I won't let it get to me say after five o'clock or you know what I mean because I do like to stress that people could say it's easy for me I live alone I'm 30 you know what I mean I don't have kids who are you know like I know that it's not as cut and dry but there's definitely the balance and kind of just like we spoke about before intertwining these little things even just a little bit in your life just will make a huge difference. Absolutely. And I'm curious too, just cause I, you mentioned, you know, big Italian family, your yeah. family, <laughs> you have a kind of like friends that now like understand like spiritual personal growth path. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your family gets it or it's kind of like they respect it and it's your thing. And like, how does that feel? Cause I think sometimes it's hard yeah. for people when you, especially a former people pleaser, where it's like, yeah, a lot of people get you and get this right. like, you know, amazing thing you're doing with your life. You wrote a book about it. Like, yeah, kind of what that felt like. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's half and half. Honestly, I feel really lucky. My family has definitely, they've done their own kind of work and journeys also. So, you know, my sister who I know I talk a lot about, but she's a licensed mental health counselor. So I feel like she kind of started the trends in the family as far as all of that. And then I came along later. So maybe she was the first one to kind of break it. But um, definitely, they're like super accepting whether they agree or not, or, you know, believe in some of it or not. They, they never like let me know it. But but it is funny, like even with the book and stuff, like my one friend was like, yeah, like, you know, like just self help books, like aren't my vibe, but it was good, you know, so it's yeah. just kind of that's been the biggest thing that I've worked on with therapy is letting go of what other people think. Because it, it's it's a hard thing to do. And I mean, putting a book out with all of my, my stuff was definitely um, kind of pushing the limit with that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely helped me grow. But it's it's scary. Yeah. Was there anyone that you needed to like <laughs> warn about the book? Like how was kind of that? Because yeah, you were really like candid about, you know. The I was candid. Yeah. I was candid about a lot. Um, yeah. I had the conversation um, with, with my parents, with my family, just kind of like giving them a heads up, but also being like, you know, this is just my journey, my experience. If you have any questions, I'm, I'm here for it. And again, like my family really is great. I feel like I could have done anything and they would have been like, as long as you're happy, you know, especially after everything. But um, I did. I was worried. I was like, I just hope, you know, this person doesn't think, did I not talk about them enough? Do they think they're not important? Do they, you know, so I feel no one's come to me with negative feedback. I'm sure people have it, but that's okay. Um, I did give my ex a heads up, just kind of, you know, listen, this is what I did, my perspective, giving you a heads up. 
and even he was totally he's like I would never like hold you back from ever anything like so I, I'm, I'm lucky I do feel so far I've had um, positive positive feedback about it and again I think that's because you're putting that out so that's right getting back which is amazing. right it was like I'm not asking for permission but I'm here to answer any questions exactly it was kind of like that that was like a good example of a boundary, but also, you know, I, I, I respect people. I, I, I never want anyone to think that I'm trying to drag anyone or, or anything like that. I really was like, this was just my journey, my experience. And yeah. Yeah. And nothing in the book as, as someone who read it, it was amazing. Good. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. It did, I felt like you handled it all so gracefully. I wouldn't expect anyone to think anything negative from good. reading it. Good. Good to know. Yeah. When I was working with my publisher, I was like, if, anyone has to sign off on anything like to me then it shouldn't be in there like Mm -hmm. that was kind of like the approach and the boundary I set with myself I was like you know if there's anything in there that they're saying I need to like which there was like uh, I'll give you the original version one day (laughs) (laughs) I, I did I ended up taking a lot out and kind of reworking some of it but that's in my head I was like if they don't need a sign off then it means it's it's okay to put out there yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a good, it was probably <laughs> cathartic to like write the original version. Oh, definitely. It didn't have to go out, but it felt good to just put it on paper. A hundred percent. So I would love to just hear a little bit about what the actual book writing and editing mm-hmm. was like kind of what surprised you, how long it like just kind of an overview. Yeah. I know. It's so funny. I was like, I'm never, I always said when I was going through it, like, I'm going to write a book because one, this was like kind of crazy. Like anyone who like knew our story and like was around us for that to happen like 30 days later, like, and I I know what people think, what people say, like, oh, you had to have known this and that. And I didn't. And you know, whatever, that's like a whole other story. But I had to let go of all of that. But I did always say, I was like, I'm going to write a book because this is crazy and I'm going to come out on the other side and I'm going to help people. But I never, I never said it to anyone really. Like I never said it out loud. And back to the whole spirituality thing. Like I know some people don't believe in this, but after I lost my grandma and my dog, I had a hard time. I was like, well, the work that I did, like I'm having trouble with this type of grief. So I spoke to a medium And I made the appointment. And at the end of it, he said, you know, a grandmother figure is coming to me. And he was like, does she have a dog? Because there's a dog on her lap. Yeah. And then he's like, I don't know why, but she's telling me to tell you to write your book. And I never said that to anyone. So again, whether it's what people believe or not, I took it as a sign. And I always say it feels like a sign. It's a sign. Like if I see a dime in the street or a bird, I'm like, oh, it's a sign. You know what I mean? And that was in 2020. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I just, like I said, started writing and pulling from journals. And it was just really, really therapeutic for me. I was like, even if I don't do anything with this, this writing process, is it's just good for me. See how far I've come. Give myself a little bit of credit. Intertwine what I learned along the way. And just like that, everything kind of started unraveling. Like I follow Gabby Bernstein. She's like one of my biggest, like I love her, like all of her manifesting challenges and all of her meditations and all of that. And she had posted about like a bestseller masterclass. Like, do you want to write a book? This is how you write. So I was like, okay, I'll take this course. 
took the course, really learned a lot about publishing and self-publishing and outlines and just, you know, it really helped me take the book to the next level. And then I had a few, it it took so long. (laughs) Now that I'm rethinking it, I'm like, it took so long. Um, I had a few editors that I worked with. And again, it's really like sticking to yourself. Like one editor was like, you need more of your childhood. You need more of this, more of that. And I didn't want to write about that. Like I knew it was important to kind of incorporate into the story, but I, that's not what the book was about. My book was about, you know, being a woman, going through a hard time, getting to the other side, letting go of pressure. Like it wasn't a book about my childhood. You know what I mean? So I ended up writing about my childhood and I didn't feel right. It didn't feel authentic to me. I worked with a different editor who said, it's fine to take it all out. So again, just like a therapist, like with whatever you do, like figuring out and take, I, I was like, I want the professional advice, but I still have to stick to myself, you know? And then I ended up linking up with this publishing company, like through Instagram. And I just love what they stood for. They were all about women and teaching lessons and just positivity and it aligns with the book that I wanted to put out there and yeah I started working with them so from the point I started working with them I feel it was like a year to publishing because again it was kind of editing reworking and and then even more stuff was happening and I was still kind of growing and I was like oh this would be a good end chapter and I was like no it's still not over and I think I end the book with that I'm like it's still not over. Like I'm still in it. This isn't like a happy ending type, you know, thing. Um, But yeah, I would say from start to finish with the publishing company, it was like a year, but it was like three years overall from like the thought I'm going to write to it being published. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even the fact that you were like shopping around publishers and not necessarily just taking whatever the first opportunity was is also to like, being so authentically yourself and not yeah. just because I'm sure that's hard to be like, well, what if another publisher doesn't want it? Like, <laughs> Sorry. you know, you really yeah. to second guess yourself and just be like, well, I guess I'll just make the best of whatever I get kind of thing. Definitely. Like, this isn't it, but the right thing will come. Definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was definitely a journey and I wanted to give up so many times. So I was like, I think we were talking about it. I was like, I lived it. I wrote it. I read it. I wrote it. I wrote it. You know, I saw a meme and it said, write the book you want to read because you're going to read it a hundred thousand times. And that is what happened to me. But then when it comes to like, Ooh, you're choosing the pink for the cover. Do you want this one? Or do you want that? Like that's the stuff that then lights me up. And yeah, it was so worth it. Definitely. Now it's out there and that's really scary. But other than that, it, 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 it was a great experience. Amazing. Well, I'm happy you stuck with it because it's an amazing. Thank you. Book. Thank you so <laughs> much. Everybody should read it. Thank and you. I, I mean, I know we're approaching time. So I <laughs> to um, ask you the question that I ask everyone that comes on the show, which is what's one toxic thing you've released that's had a major impact? Definitely. I know we touch on it, but the negative self-talk, 100%. Like letting go of that definitely has just changed my overall happiness every single day. You know, and I'm not saying look in the mirror and say you're beautiful five times. I know they say that, but just really just being aware of that negative self-talk and trying to figure out where it comes from and, and just stopping it. It's not nice. It's not nice to say to anyone, let alone yourself. And I just think 
the more you talk nice to yourself, the more you will like build yourself up, no matter how low you feel. And I feel like that has been the major thing. And my deodorant, that thanks to you. I let go of that toxic <laughs> stuff. But <laughs> I love that. Nat- natural deodorant and nat- and some <laughs> negative self-talk. The perfect blend. <laughs> yes, it's all about balance. <laughs> and Diet Coke, I mean, anyone who knows, knows. But yeah, that that, one. there's a whole TikTok algorithm for those Diet Coke girls. And I was one of them. But yeah, no. But really, when it comes to this and the book, it's really the negative self-talk that has changed dramatically. Absolutely. Well, I love that. Thank you so much. You shared. Thank so many you. Things. So I guess I know. Oh, go ahead. I can't. No, I can't believe we're at time already. <laughs> I know <laughs> it really flies. But yeah. I would love for you a to just kind of share some parting words for if anyone feels like they're kind of at like a rock bottom and they need mm-hmm. some motivation, and then how people can find your book, um, connect with you, and all of that. Oh, I love that. I mean, not to be, you know, but it's temporary, babe. And that's why I came up with the title, because when I was working with the publisher and the editor, and they said I had a whole different title set up, and they were like, well, what's the one thing you would have wanted to know, and you know, that you want to tell people? And that's how we came up with it's temporary, babe, because I felt like I was never going to feel normal again. And that's just what I want to share with anyone. Like, it will get better. You will feel normal. It does not completely go away, but you'll be able to sit and talk about it and, you know, not cry or, you know, and it is, it's all temporary. And even the good, I say that too. And I don't say that in like a negative way, but it's like, enjoy and be present in the good too and the highs, because in my experience, maybe I wasn't as present and then it was taken away. So, you know, it's just, just hang in there and there's definitely definitely a light at the end of the tunnel and yeah you can find me on instagram on tiktok at it's temporary babe or cassandra DeSico. i kind of i post on both um the book's available on amazon barnes and nobles um we're working on getting it into a few stores but yeah i have my website too cassandradesico.com um where it's just like a little history about me you can buy the book but yeah DM me, email me, whatever you want. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was such thank a great Thank you. I'm so glad I had so much fun. You're the best. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I did. Now I'm going to recap the big takeaways. One, healing is a journey. There is no finish line. Two, any rejection is making room for something better. As painful as it is, you'll likely end up being grateful for it in the end. Three, tips for dating are to ensure they align with your values, don't ignore the red flags, and be your authentic self. Number four, to understand your authentic self, pay attention to how you feel your best versus your worst and lean into when you feel your best. Your body will tell you when you move away from your authentic self with symptoms like anxiety, so trust it and don't second guess your intuition. Number five, boundaries can have a negative spin, but the right people will respect it. And creating them is mostly showing up differently and exuding that energy of how you wish to be treated. Number six, when you're feeling triggered, dig into why. What's coming up for me? Why am I feeling like this? What's the worst that can happen? Has it happened before? And how can I avoid from feeling this way? And get present rather than just people pleasing. Number seven, stop being mean to yourself. A great way to cultivate this is through inner child work. 
Picture yourself as a child. Would you say this stuff to her or even your worst enemy? Consider how kindly you speak to the people you love and start doing the same thing for yourself. Number eight, learn to trust the path that you're on. There is a plan for everyone. You're guided and supported and practice taking the bad things that happen as a lesson and part of your journey. Number nine, actively look for the positive when you're down and nothing's going right because it will get you through it. And number 10, when you're really going through it, just remember it's temporary, babe. You'll feel normal again and it will get better. So again, thank you so much for being here and for listening to this show. Please share this episode with anybody who you think would benefit. And if you are enjoying the show, I would greatly appreciate leaving a rating and review. Again, it's just a great way to support the podcast. So thank you again for being here and I will see you guys on the next one. Bye.